what's up, everyone? My name is Joshua, and welcome to a conversation with Joshua T. Berglund. And we have an awesome guest today. Oh, my gosh. I just completed the interview. Mr. Kevin Palmieri, I think I said that last name correct, freaking awesome. I'll be honest with you. We didn't spend a lot of time talking about his amazing, uber successful podcast, Next Level University. But I will tell you, this is a very meaningful conversation. Any of you that have on your path to purpose, any of you have ever struggled with suicidal thoughts, doubt, limiting beliefs, gosh, it is, it's just not an interview I expected to have. I am glad that normally I record an opening before I actually do the interview. This time I felt led to wait. I don't even know why, but I'm telling you, this is worth watching so much so that even though all of this content is at joshuatberglund.com, I'm going to put this one, the full episode and clips at YouTube. So if you like, subscribe, I would be super grateful. Thank you again for being here. Again, this is special and Kevin just drops so much wisdom. I, he gave me answers that I was not expecting. Sometimes these answers are so predictable. There's nothing about this broadcast that's predictable. Thank you for being here. God bless you. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? My name is Joshua, and welcome to a conversation with Joshua T. Berglund. I am so pumped. This interview is long overdue. Really, it's going to be a conversation, but it's long overdue for whatever reason. And I had to cancel a few times, and then there was a mix-up, and that was on me. But I do believe that everything happens when it's supposed to. And Kevin, I am so honored to have you here. You have one of the coolest stories I've ever heard. It's so inspiring. I've watched several of your interviews and I just really dig the man that you are. But before we get into the conversation, can you tell us what are you grateful for today and why? Yes. So thank you for all the kind words. I appreciate it very much. I am grateful for my wonderful wife today. We have been together for several years at this point, more than several, but she has been a rock for me long before I was the successful version of Kevin today. She was in my corner believing in me and I always say she believed in this and me long before I did. So I am eternally grateful for that. Holy. This is why I know that I'm so glad that you said what you said, because it confirms what I said and that the timing, like the timing is always just, it's perfect. It happens when it's supposed to happen. The journey, I think the same thing with my wife. I don't know how in the world that I would have survived uh, without my wife. So I think you're the first person ever on any of my broadcasts that have just said they're grateful for their wife. So I love it, but I feel you on that. And I got to tell you, I want to ask you, what do you think it would have been your journey? Because your journey is, we all get a hero's journey and it looks different. Not everybody accepts it at the same time. Some people may never accept the assignment to go on their hero's journey. Your story in particular fits so closely to mine that I love it, especially with some of the, the trials and some of the demons that you fought through. But let me ask you, on that journey, what would it have been like if you were trying to go at it solo? It's already a lonely journey. I think (laughs) it's already lonely. It would be really lonely. It would be far less fulfilling. And it would be, and this is an interesting perspective, it would be far more robotic. Nobody has really ever told me other than my wife to, hey, stop and smell the roses. She has. That is Okay, again, on point. That is, that's special because you're right. That's exactly what I would do. I would bury myself. I know that even like when we have disagreements, my thing is to go down in the basement and just work and just grind it out, create, do whatever it may be. But it becomes, 
almost like an out-of-body experience, but not in a good, productive way. It's robotic, as you said. It's almost like a soulless activity. And she, my wife, is giving meaning to my work. It's given me a reason to want to leave a legacy. Because before that, I could care less. Yeah. Like, I wanted to help people, but legacy, leaving something behind for kids, my kids, my family, none of that even registered until I met my wife. So I, again, I love that. I want to talk to you about speaking of the hero's journey and being lonely. You're right. It's the most isolating, especially the more, it seems like the more we learn who we are, the more isolating that becomes. And for me, I learned it on the path to my destiny and I'm not there yet, but I'm still on that path and I'm not giving up because the only option for me is death. If I quit, I don't have anything else. So I'm all in on this journey. But one of the things that is so hard in this journey that I don't think it's emphasized enough because people talk about, yeah, it's tough. It's not all the setbacks. And it doesn't really paint the picture of like those moments that you literally go, I'm going to put a bullet in my head. And I'm not even saying this to be like, there's a lot of nasty thoughts that come in our minds. We're on this journey. We're by ourselves. We're like, is this ever going to happen? Is this, I'm ever going to have the breakthrough? I've worked. I've planted the seeds. I've done all the things that or biblical, the universal principles. I've done all this. Why do I feel so alone? Why do I feel like I'm failing? And oh my God, this is all I got. What now? There's a lot of people that are feeling that right now. And they are getting those suicidal thoughts. In some cultures, suicide's applauded. Like it's like, hey, you suck now, kill yourself. And that's like a part of a culture. But that's not practical. That to me is not serving God. That's not making God happy. That's not what we were created for. We were, we were created to finish the race. But in those moments, suicide, that thought, those noises, those voices that tell you to do awful things to yourself or to quit or whatever it may be, can you talk about your experience with overcoming suicidal thoughts, temptation, any of that stuff. I noticed it was, I noticed that it was lightly brought up in a few different situations. So I thought I would bring it up with you. Yeah, please. I had several boats with that. There was one, what it was for me, Joshua, is the fact that my internal state and my external state were drastically different. So if you would look at me, you would assume I was everything that I wasn't. And the assumption and the lack of what I thought I should be that everybody else thought I was, that created a lot of turmoil and resistance in my life. So the first time I ever had any feelings or thoughts in that regard, I was home alone one day. And at this time, I was working in an industry called weatherization. So we would go into buildings and we would make them more energy efficient. Since I worked on state and government contracts, I was making anywhere from $60 to $120 an hour. So I was making really good money as a man in his mid-20s. One day I was off of work. We were in between contracts. Everybody else was out of the house. I lived with my girlfriend at the time. And I remember that day I was just hanging out, playing video games. And I got this like gray, dark feeling of if this is all life is, I don't want to do it anymore. Right? There has to be more than this, right? Is this it? This is what I'm going to feel like forever? And I didn't have, it was more of an ideation than a, an action or a thought. But I told my girlfriend that day when she came home and she said, I think you should go to therapy. And that was the first time I ever, what felt like swallowed my pride and went to therapy. And I remember going to therapy for the first time, walking up the spiral stairs in an old building in downtown Boston, Massachusetts, saying, this is going to be absolutely horrible. 
I'm going to cry. I'm going to be embarrassed. I'm going to be ashamed. And I left the room feeling none of those things other than the fact that I cried. I definitely cried. <laughs> but it was crying is good, man. Crying is good. It was yeah. something that I was so afraid to do. I then was very happy to do the next time. Yeah. So that was, unfortunately, that was the first time, not the last time that I had those feelings. The other time for me was a very similar thing where I had achieved a level of success that I never thought I would in life. Realized that the way I achieved that success, my job was not sustainable. It was not fulfilling. It's not what I wanted to do. I didn't feel like I had any purpose. I didn't feel like I had any passion. I didn't feel like I had any future there. The problem is my success, my identity, my personality, my ego, where I get my significance is all anchored to this job. If I leave this job, I have to start all over again, and I do not want to do that. That happened to me in a hotel room six hours away from where I lived, getting ready to work on a job that day. The best way to explain it is there was 10 televisions on in my head at the same time, and every single one is on a different station. And one is, you're stuck here forever. People like you do not get this opportunity. Never mind, leave it behind. If you do leave, what will your friends think? If you do leave, what will your family think? And if you do leave, what do you think you're going to do with the rest? Are you going to be a podcaster? Because I have the podcast at this point. And in that moment, I was like, yeah, I had ideations of just not being here anymore. If I'm gone, all my problems go away. This is what helped me. I believe for me specifically as a man, it's important to have vulnerability, not just because vulnerability is an important thing, but I believe that the quality of your relationships is directly connected to the level of vulnerability in them. I reached out to somebody I trusted, and he's now my business partner and the CEO of our company. And I said, hey, man, I'm struggling. I don't know what to do. I'm having these thoughts. I'm having these feelings. I'm having these emotions. What do I do? And he gave me really good advice to, to switch up my environment. Here's what I say. You have to practice vulnerability, but it's very hard in that moment. You have to believe that it's possible for you to be vulnerable. And you have to believe that it will be worth it to tell somebody how you're feeling. And those are very challenging things. Those are very challenging things to feel in that moment. But I think that's why stories are so important because other people will tell you, it was worth it for me. It was worth it for me. It was worth it for this person. It was worth it. Last thing I'll say on this. We interviewed somebody on our podcast. His name's Kevin Hines. Kevin Hines jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge and his intention was to take his life. And oh, he, said, he didn't do it for fun? No. Oh, I didn't mean his, to laugh then. I take that back. His intentions were to take his life. And he said the second both feet left, he regretted it and said, oh, no, I don't want to do this. I want to go back. That's a really good perspective, although it's dark. And it's a good perspective to say, look, this person felt the same way as maybe you do. They wish they could redo it. Luckily, they have that opportunity. But many of us are not that lucky. Yeah, that's so my suicidal, like my phase with attempting suicide became that, that was early on. That was early before I turned my life around. It was back then. But then, like in that journey of overcoming disassociative identity disorder and all of these other struggles, like on the path to rehabilitation from the life that I'd lived previously, then it became more like spiritual attacks. There were these thoughts that would get planted and not go away. Now I've evolved out of that part and I've healed that part of my brain. And now I get them because, because I feel like I'm failing. And I know I'm not. At least, at the at the real truth is I'm not. 
like the work that I'm called to do, the work that I love to do on behalf of the people I get to do it for, I'm not a failure there. I'm a failure so far, or I've not completed it yet, or whatever, not gotten there yet in my own personal goals. And that part screws with me where I have this, it's almost like a duality of in my heart, all I really want to do is serve. I want to teach media to inner city youth, people from third world countries, prisoners, ex-trafficking victims. I want to teach media, the future media, and I want to equip them. I want to do that. That's what brings me joy and happy. So when I get to do that, I'm like the patron saint of awesome. But when I go into the business side of that, because you got to have some way of funding that operation, I hate my life. I'm not kidding. I hate it. And I had a nonprofit and I still technically have it, but I'm like closing it down because people are not passionate about donating to media organizations. Like it doesn't hit the heartstrings when there's so many other really more important causes. I know media is important, but it's not something that pulls the heartstrings to make people to donate. And that, and I don't want to ask you for a donation. That's just not my thing. I want to be served. I want to be like Jesus, but just with probably an edge and tattoos and a mohawk. Like that's how I kind of want to live my life. Not that's how I live my life, but doing it with media and working with the people that have been shunned from society. Trying to flip that switch and go into, all right, now I'm a businessman. I got to be honest with you. I hate it. I hate it. And that is what's contributing right now to a lot of the noise in my head that I'm having trouble getting rid of. And I don't understand it. Do you, I, like, I know this is not your broadcast, but you're here. And I told you I wasn't going to talk to you about what everyone else talked to you about. <laughs> not that I knew I was going to talk about this, but what do you, like, what, because you've got it together. Like you've come from, yeah, you were like, you lost everything, but you, you're kicking ass. Like you have a very successful company. You have a successful podcast and you guys are crushing. But when you meet people that are more just, I don't really care about the business. I just want to serve and help people and not even ask questions about it. What do you say to people like that? Is it a block? Is it you're just trying to do something you're not supposed to? What is it, do you think? It's a lot of things. Even my initial, so I'm trying to observe. I'm always trying to observe. Even when you went from talking to saying, I'm a businessman, and you shifted your voice and you shifted the way you're standing. So what does being a businessman mean to you? What relationship do you have with being a businessman? Who has hurt you potentially in the past that was a businessman or businesswoman or whatever? That's where I would start. I think it's more of an identity than anything that we see today. That is actually a fair question. I have been burned a lot, a lot. And I'm really good at building, taking things from nothing, or I'm good at taking problems and fixing it and helping people get on their way. I don't want to be with anything long-term because the way that I've been blessed to be gifted, I don't need to be around that long. I can fix problems pretty quick. And because of that, because it comes easy, one, I don't see it to be like, I just love doing it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think anything about it, but I have these gifts and I'm like good at this, In the especially with the future of media stuff. I'm good there. But when it comes to like my business career, look, I made my mistakes. I made some bad investments and had a serious, I was a chem sex addict for 20 years and I had those issues going on, but I was still good at sales. I was good at business. But when it came time to raising money for films and I would raise millions of dollars for and I'm not going to say the organization's name out loud, but they're big. And I raised money for them. They didn't pay me, got sued. And this is right after being homeless. Deal after business deal, promises made, contracts signed, not following through. 
Like I've been burned a lot and I've helped people in good faith. Hey, you help me here. When we get our funding, we're going to hook you up. I've gone down that path so many times because I trusted the people. And this sounds, I feel like a douche for saying all this, but genuinely want to trust people. And I want it because I want to help people. If I get God shows me something for someone or shows me how I can help, I don't even want to ask questions. I just want to serve. I just want to help because I know I can. Who am I to see someone that I can help and not help? I just, it feels dirty to me. Yeah. So for the last 20 so years of my life, even after turning my life around, there's been a lot of heartache and heartbreak around business. And it all started right after I sold, my father and I sold our healthcare company. That's when it all started. And it's just been nuts since. Yeah, it's, I think so much of, for a lot of us and myself included, and I've noticed this, when we are looking at problems, we're looking at today, yesterday, and two weeks ago, not 20 mm -hmm. years ago. Yeah. That's where all this, that's where all the shit comes from anyway. So for me, it's that question of two things. Somebody comes to me and says, I want X result, but I don't want to do Z. It's okay, cool. Just admit to me right now that you're okay with not getting the result done. Because if that's what, and again, this is my process. Yeah. Some people come to me and say, I don't want to be a business owner, I don't, but I do want to have impact. And it's, do you believe there are people out there that need what you have? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. Do you believe you leaning into your own unique version of that business would help? Yes. Just because it's labeled as business does not mean it has to be what you've labeled business as in the past. Sure. So for me, it's that reframe of, I think a lot of it's just the identity work of what happened when you got triggered here? How did that person treat you? How did your life change after that? I think a lot of us have that identity stuff that we assume happened a week ago, but it's just years and years of conditioning. Sure. That's where I go. I try to go identity first because people don't change their the behavior until they change their identity because your identity becomes your behavior. And it's this intermingled mess. So I don't know. I don't know what I would say to you specifically. It'd probably require more behind the scenes, <laughs> deeper conversation, but there's probably a very good reason you don't want to do it. There's probably a very good reason you don't want to do it, but there's also probably far more good reasons you should. That's what I would say. Oh, I agree. Cause we have to fund our mission. That that's the pro. So like I'm doing a buy one, give one with all of my media services and it's not me giving it. It's I'll do, I'm doing the work and whatever, but it's for the people that I work with to be able to gift to someone else because I'm all about paying it for it. I don't really like the structure. I hated having a 501c3 because I had to censor myself so much. And but that at my heart, I want to give and I want to serve and I want to help people. That's what I'm motivated by. I'm not really motivated by like I know the business side of media. Like I know every aspect of the future of media, the especially independent media, the one person media machine. Like I have the technology and the software and all of the stuff to be able to utilize this for people because I'm thinking. Like where my heart is, and I think about all the people that have all the money that they can pay for all their media and they don't have to really focus on that. My heart is I want to see the ex-trafficking victim, the inner city kid, that the only options they have around them. Because I'll give you an example. I was speaking at an event or emceeing an event in Chicago, and the benefactors of the event were inner city Chicago youth. And I was hearing stories about how these kids get busted in at leave their house at 3 a.m., 4 a.m., like in some insane hour, get bust to the inner city 
And then they go to school all day. They don't get home till midnight. This is their life. And then if any of them say, I want to be an attorney, I want to be a doctor, I want to be anything that's not an athlete or a rapper, they're the people in their community or even their own families, like, who they have for you? You think you're better than us? And so what happens is same thing with teen victims. They go back to their captors. People get out of jail. They go back to crime because they don't have the option. The one thing I know after being in jail six times, overdosing six times, like being homeless and all that crap that I went through in my life, I know that I can't go get a regular job. Like, here's my application. You do a background check. You're going to see some colorful shit. Mm. So the regular job has never been an option, but media. And knowing media and the multiple revenue streams and knowing what you can do with that, that has been the one vehicle that has allowed me to live the life that I believe I was created to live. But with media, you can monetize anything. Now, with my case, why I get I shoot myself in the foot because of the things that I talk about. I've been kicked off of YouTube twice. I've been kicked off Twitter for like. Facebook, because I the subject matter that I cover, I'm not making excuses, but like I shoot myself in the foot there. And every time though, it's to raise awareness for a cause or something that's important, bringing a spotlight to a shadow world issue that people need to know about, then I get in trouble. So anyway, my point is, I don't even know why I lost my point. It doesn't matter. I just, at my core, I want to give what I know to the people that could, can't afford to pay for it. So that's where my dilemma comes because all my passion goes there. But when it comes to talking to a CEO of a Fortune 500 company, I'm not as passionate about the cause. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course. Most of us aren't as passionate about one piece. I think that's totally normal. I just think that's unfortunately oftentimes par for the course. Yeah. It's like you have to be more passionate about the thing that you're not passionate about in order to do the thing that actually creates the passion then how do you do that? That's a, actually a really great point. I think you understand that there's, you ever heard that, I'm sure you've heard the quote, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. Yeah, that's my life now. I don't believe that. I don't believe that at all. Oh. Yeah, because that means you're not actually growing at the level you could. Because if you're only doing oh, what you snap. love, you're just living in comfort. If you're living in the comfort zone, you're not growing. You're not living. That's my understanding of I love what I do. I love podcasting, but there's days I don't want to do it. There's days I say, I'm back to back nine hours today. Yeah. I'm tired. I don't want to do this. I want to be in bed, but I'm going to be here and I'm going to give it what I got because that's who I am. That understanding for me is there is mud in every paradise. That's true. And if you want to get more paradise, you have to figure out what the current mud is and crawl through it. And then you get better mud and you get better mud and you get better mud. I don't think a life devoid of mud will ever exist. I think a life de devoid of misaligned mud will. I really like that you brought up that point. So let me ask you this. Please. What about the whole saying, if you follow your heart, you let your heart lead, you follow where you're led, where your heart's pulling you a direction, that's where you go. You should pursue the, the dreams and visions that you get. What do you say to that? Is it? Yeah, yeah. But that's what led me to... Never working a day in my life, even though I bust my ass and I am uncomfortable. Like the work, yeah. I mean, it's not exactly like it's comfortable. But you hear about people that pursue their dreams, whether it's acting. Like for me, I want to have a traveling tonight show. I want to travel the world, do my own. I have we got a 
concept for the Tonight Show that no one's ever done, but I would also travel to different cities all over the world for and have a two-week stint where we serve, teach media, volunteer in the communities, and then have then have the event, right? But it's a traveling tonight show where we serve and spread love and teach and add value to people's life, not for, hey, look at all my endorsements and how cute I am. None of that crap, but have a mission behind it. But then it's also the tonight show because I also want to host the Oscars one day. That's <laughs> my other goal. So, but those dreams and vision, that's what's been in my 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 heart since I was a kid. So how what do you say to that when how does what I just said line up with you never work a day when you're doing something you love. The visions that we are given don't come with instructions. No, that's just, true. That, for me, that's what it is, is like, if I could choose anything in the world, I would choose what I'm doing today. Yeah. I wouldn't change that. The mud I'm crawling through is the most aligned mud it's ever been. <laughs> Same here, actually. <laughs> but as human beings who are focused on growth, I don't ever expect the mud to go away. Mm -hmm. I. My, I am living the vision 100%, but the problem is the vision that you get is a seed. The vision changes as the plant blooms and as the tree grows and as the leaves start to form and the flowers and the petals. For me, that's the understanding is <laughs> no matter what, there's always going to be some level of mud. There has to be. Yeah. Unless, and this is always... For me, Joshua, I think a lot of people have been misled to think that they're supposed to live easy lives. And this is my frame. Unless you enjoy every aspect that it takes to grow, scale, and monetize a business, or get in the best shape of your life, or have your dream relationship, unless you are so blessed that you love each ingredient to that recipe, you're going to have to do something you don't like eventually. And that's just my, that's just my frame. Because, right, I think if we seek a life that is so easy, that requires no challenge, no resistance, we're not open to any of the possibilities, opportunities, or barriers that come that we didn't expect. Yeah. I just think that's par for the course. So I don't know if that answers the question, but that's it my, does. It does. my philosophical answer. No, I love that. And I actually love that that point of view because I like to try to see things from every possible angle. To, to have a better understanding, to learn ways of reframing situations. That makes sense. Like my, I'll give you another example. So I, I don't know, do I? No, I don't have to worry about this. I could say, so I was vice president of a TV, a streaming TV network. And I, and I loved that organization. Love, I love, I believed in their vision. I loved it, but I left because again, I wanted to cover topics that are not, I got kicked off of Apple TV. If that gives you some people don't want you talking about organ harvesting and things like that. I don't know. But I get to meet these amazing people and find out about these amazing causes through the service work that we do. And it's like, I'm drawn to that stuff that I want to, I was a big Howard Stern and Opie and Anthony fan. So I'm a shock jock at heart, except I want to be a shock jock for good. So I left the network because I wanted to continue talking about the things that I felt in my heart I should talk about. And it's evolved since then, but nonetheless, they made a big promise. Hey, we're getting funding. You've helped build this company. We're hooking you up. So when someone gives me their word on that, and I want to ask you about this, this is the quote I'm leading to the question now. Please. My wife thinks that I should follow up to say, hey, you guys get the funding yet? Because you should, you made this promise a year ago that you were going to hook it up and all. And I, my belief system is that if you give me your word, 
I'm going to take you for your word. I don't need to call you. I don't need to text you, send you messages, drop little passive aggressive hints. You gave me your word. That is up to you to keep your word. I'm not going to hold a gun to your head to make you keep your word because then if you do, then it feels like I'm a prostitute. It feels dirty. It's like as I basically said, hey, you promised me you were going to take care of me and you didn't. So is that a sign of me not being comfortable and not wanting to stretch myself? Or is that some weird form of integrity? Like, don't know, because I would love to be corrected on this. Well, I don't, I trust me, Joshua. I don't know if I have any of the correct answers to anything on the face of the earth. (laughs) What I would say is, have you ever studied the five love languages? No, not studied. I've read the book, but a couple of times, but I didn't study it. Okay. Cause I think that's studious enough. Okay. The five love languages is a really good, I would use that as an analogy here, where if you think (laughs) your level of physical touch is also your partner's level of physical touch and they receive loves in the same way as you, you might be speaking a completely different language. So your standards when it comes to integrity and holding your word and honoring your promises are probably drastically different than everybody's around you. So I don't think it's any fault of you. I don't think it's any void of you. I think it's probably a misunderstanding of maybe your standards are higher. Your standards are just drastically higher than other people have been. Here's the thing. If you end up disappointed often in life, you're most likely missing something. Not that you are wrong, you're most likely missing a piece where every time I show up somewhere, I'm 15 minutes early and everybody else is only five minutes early. What's up with that? My standard's high. I'm never, I don't like to be late. That's my standard. So I think oftentimes our standard dictates our experience and it also dictates the self-talk of, I shouldn't have to reach out to them. They should reach out to me. I'm not saying you should have to at all. All I'm saying is maybe their standards are a little bit different. Okay. All right. This is good. I Okay. My wife is going to probably fall in love with you for saying that. All right. So one of the other things, I don't even know the guy's name. I just started watching. I found him on YouTube and he's, gosh, he came from, I, it doesn't matter. doesn't know his name. So when I think of the alpha, the, there's an alpha movement because alphas have just been pushed aside and they, there's been the sissification of men in America, especially, but I think it's a global thing. And for me, I was very primal and very, almost, I was the toxic alpha because I was a narcissist and all the other things. And of course, being on drugs doesn't help. And I was a maniac. So when I made my life change and I gave my life to the Lord, I went down a completely different path. My pendulum swung over here where I'm trying to do everything by the book, everything trying to be just love and gentle and all things that honestly, I'm not gentle Uh, Even when I was in evangelizing and speaking at the church, I was a shock jock then. I just talked about Jesus in a shocking way. Now my faith has evolved even differently and more, and it's stronger than it's ever been. But where I find myself is in this place of my instinct is to be very alpha, very go hunt and kill my food kind of thing. Like just take it back old school. Like that is my primal instinct to be. I don't fit, I already don't really fit into society very well, but like that, it makes, I come across when I'm in that state in that hunter mode as a complete psychopath, as very scary. Like I can, the energy is a completely different energy. In other words, it's not inviting and it's not welcoming. And honestly, at my core, I just want to help people 
I want to elevate people into their gift and purpose. I want everyone to know that God has a plan for them and that they were all created to do extraordinary things. It takes extraordinary effort, but you were still created to do something extraordinary. I want to help people not just realize that. I want to teach them it and I want to help equip them. I want to do all of that because I know how important it is. And that's part of why I fell into media is because I know that's a proper vehicle to do so. However, like, and I want to spread love. I don't want to see war. I don't want to see people who are racist and bigoted and homophobic. I hate that crap. I hate all of it. I just, I, I, I want people just to feel comfortable being themselves instead of trying to fit into a group. Anyway, but when I go to the alpha hunter, I'm a badass salesperson because I was like that. I didn't like who I was. No. I didn't, people didn't like me. So is there a balance? This is my question. Is there a balance of that alpha, primal, I'm a hunter-gatherer, I'm going to go out and kill, and I'm going to bring home the sales, or whatever all that crap is. Is there a balance with that in remaining alpha and then also just wanting to spread the love? Is <laughs> <laughs> there a balance there? I like to think so. I don't, I like to spread love. I'm a I'm somebody who wants to, I'm a very inclusive human being who wants everybody to be able to live a, a safe, a safe life filled with doing whatever they get to do, as long as that doesn't hurt other people. But yeah. if you stick me in the gym with a pair of boxing gloves, I will kick the bag until my shins bleed. So I think there is a balance of that. But the thing is, it, this is the hard thing. I think there's a lot of people that talk about, oh, this is an alpha tendency and blah, blah, blah. I just don't think they actually understand what it's like. Because if you're quote unquote alpha and you're not vulnerable, I don't really think you're alpha. Wow. I think you just, you think that's what it means. That's not what it means to me. That's, that's, mean to you? I think being, even that phrase, like even that phrase alpha, for me, it's like having the potential but not using it. Having the potential to be extremely hard-headed or whatever, but not but knowing you don't have to use that all the time. That I picture a I picture a lion who comes back and then lays down and its partner lays with it. That's what's alpha to me. Having the power but knowing when to use it. I think that, but I think if you don't understand that at an awareness level, you see it as something that it's not. That's what I would say. That's a great answer. <laughs> Thank you. I know I look like a grown-ass man. I'm 43. <laughs> you've got a lot of gray hair. But really, I didn't start stepping into being a man until a year ago, a couple of years ago. I know that sounds insane, but that's just where I was at. Like, I hadn't healed from DID yet. It's just all over the place. I didn't have emotional maturity. I had emotional intelligence, but, like, I still fall back to old ways. It took a while to rehabilitate my life. It's been a crazy journey. So there's a lot of things that I'm like trying to learn how to do. And going back to my wife has taught me how to be a good dad because I didn't know. I didn't have a good example. A lot of guys my age didn't have a good example of a father figure. So I'm not complaining. And my dad did the best he could. Like I hated his guts. But like now I know he did. he did the best he could with what he had. And, but I'm so grateful for my wife. She's taught me how to be a good husband, taught me how to be a good listener and a good father. And, and I love that life, but it's so new to me. So like these questions, even about being alpha and knowing when to use my power and when not to, 
because I don't want to be intimidating. I don't want to be scary. I want bad people to be scared of me. Of course, but, but that's I the potential. I don't want anyone else to be scared of me. Yeah, I would say, see, this is, and again, this is just my perspective. I think you're more alpha now than you were before because that shows vulnerability. If you and I can get on here and have a real authentic conversation about feelings and fears and scarcity and what scares us and what drives us and our emotions, wouldn't we define that as challenging? Yes. Doesn't that does that make it alpha? I don't know. I think it makes us brave. And I think that's I think that's something to be longed for. That's my opinion. Dude, I was I was literally really genuinely excited about speaking with you <laughs> when this all got first set up. But what I thought I was going to talk to you about, we have absolutely just not talked about. I'm all for I'm glad it. that we had this conversation. But now I do want to ask you though, Next Level University, tell me about this because like your blueprint for success to me relatable. There's a lot of blueprints for success that are like, what? <laughs> but who's going to do that? Like it doesn't even register to make sense. Yeah. Yours does. Please explain Next Level University. Yeah, so Next Level University is our podcast. So we have a global top 100 podcast. We do seven episodes a week. We just crossed episode 1270 today, I think. So we that's our baby. That's something we pour into every single day. If I'm going to tell you as a listener that you can get a little bit better every day, I better be there helping you get a little bit better every day. So that's our belief. And here's the interesting thing. and Maybe th this will highlight and you'll understand me at a deeper level. Our audience is primarily female. So as a masculine tattooed bodybuilder who loves all things combat sports, I've had to learn what I think it means to be by sharing my emotions, by not being able, not being afraid to cry on the microphone in front of thousands of people, because I think that's rare. I think that's powerful. And I think that's the way that I can really help our audience. So Next Level University is a podcast that serves people all over the world, but we're also a business that serves people all over the world. And we have many different business units under the podcast. But at the end of the day, our mission, our goal, our belief is that self-improvement is something that is widely needed. And our goal is to do it in a heart-driven, but no BS way. I don't want to be a toxic masculine human telling you, you must do this, or you suck, or you should feel bad about yourself. That's not it. That's not what people need, especially our demographic. They need support. They need inclusiveness. They need safety. And that's what we're here for. Yeah. What do you, I want to ask you about that? Cause you've said inclusiveness a couple of times and like, I think back of my growing up and my challenges and with being sexually abused, physically abused, being abandoned, all the, and then of course, in the childlike understanding of how things happen and the reality of that sometimes is different. And when I say that, like my sisters, when I was young, like just were gone overnight and mm. didn't know what I'd be like, it didn't know what happened. So like in my seven-year-old body, I'm like, Oh, they abandoned me. They don't love me. That wasn't the case. It was actually something my dad did. That's why they left. But I didn't know that for 20 years yep. or 15 years, whatever it was. And I lost my, just my thought just left me. Inclusiveness we were talking about. Oh, inclusiveness. Thank you so much. Yep. God, that's embarrassing. I did a lot of drugs. So sometimes brain goes away. No stress. It anyway. happens. The inclusiveness, but that was a thing for me that I never felt like I belonged anywhere. And I knew that I was different. I knew 
and it wasn't just because of the things that had happened to me, even though that contributed to it. Like I was different. Everywhere I went, I didn't feel like I belonged. I remember going to church as a kid, didn't feel like I belonged, didn't make sense. And then even though I went back to that religion and that faith, I still didn't feel like I belonged because every time I showed up, I would try to serve and try to help. And I just wasn't taken serious or I would just go, hey, this is where I'm at. This is where I'm at with my faith right now. This is what I'm struggling with. And then felt abandoned. And like all of these different groups that I fit in. And of course, having HIV, having battled my sexuality most of my life, having the past history that I had, that made it weird, especially when I started talking about it. So now what I happen to see, and I've stepped away from all of that, where it doesn't get to me, like none of that stuff affects me anymore. I'm just on my journey. But when I look back to observe the playing field of all the things that are happening, I see all of these different agendas being pushed on everyone's face, which is also triggering this, all drag queens are pedophiles, or all gay people, all adopted gay people, or gay couples that adopt are child molesters. And it's getting put in this these blankets. They're all this way. They're all this way. And yet at the same time, what I see is even though some agendas are well-funded, most of them started with a cry for, I just want to be accepted. I just want equal rights. I just want to be heard. I just want to not be treated like whatever. So there's a real desperate need for inclusiveness. But let me ask you this. At what point, like where is the balance of inclusive versus this hostile raping of an agenda that seems to be getting pushed in our face? Where do we, where's the balance? And do you believe that we're going to, things are going to even out with this? Or is it going to be this wild ride? Yeah, I think things always even out. I think people freak out in the beginning and it's just the way, it's the law of the universe. It always, Things are too much, then they're too little, then they're less much, then they're less little, and eventually I think they get to the sweet spot. Anytime something new is introduced to the environment, it usually gets skewed. Just for statistics, if you look at it from a numbers perspective, yeah. that's just the way it works. For me, it's I care way more about your core beliefs, your core aspirations, and your core values. I care more about your core values than anything else. That's what I'm yeah. focused on. I don't care about much else. That, if you have a good character as a good human being, and you have attributes as a human, you're my type of person. That's, you're good in our community. That's the culture we've built. I care more about who you want to be than who you've been. I believe in your potential. I, yeah, that. I don't, I look more at the character. I'm a yeah. character-driven human being who wants to surround myself with character-driven human beings, and I move on from people who aren't. And I think that that's how I've tried to live my life. That's, to me, is just, it, that's a beautiful way to live. There's no room for judgment when you live that way. I'm not perfect. I, I have my own I have my own shortcomings. I have my own hangups. I wouldn't want somebody to judge me that I'm insecure, that I'm short, right? Or whatever. I don't want that. I don't want somebody to judge me because I believe self-improvement is necessary. Yeah. I can be judged for that, right? I mean, that if that doesn't fit into your core beliefs, then maybe I'm not your type of person. But it doesn't have to be hostile. We can agree to disagree. We've been doing it for thousands of years. Some groups haven't. So yeah, that's what I would say. Awesome, man. I love that way of being. I um, 
I really do admire it. I really do. I admire your work. I listen, I could talk to you for hours. You're just one of those people. I could just I think I could throw a kitchen sink at you and we could create content around it. <laughs> I appreciate so, it. Although I don't really want to throw a kitchen sink at you. <laughs> just to clear that up. Kevin, please, I'm gonna the floor is yours. Please promote your website, your podcast, really anything you want, any last words. The floor is yours, sir. It's Yeah, it's simple for me. I always send people to the podcast. If you are interested in what we do, what we talk about, we do an episode every day. So you'll very quickly realize, A, these are my type of people. B, these aren't my type of people. No stress either way. We'll still show up every day. That's our goal. So just search Next Level University. We're on all the podcast platforms as well as YouTube. And then if you need anything, if you have questions, comments, concerns, whatever it is, my handle on Instagram is at neverquitkid. So I will always be there for you as well. Excellent. Kevin, thank you so much for being here, man. Thank you for having me, my friend. Bye-bye.